Good to see you this morning on Christmas Eve morning as we worship together. What a good-looking group you are this morning as we worship together. I don't know where everybody has traveled from to be here today, but I know we've had some come as far away as Missouri and California to be home uh, for Christmas and to celebrate with family and friends here and church family at Spring Valley. It's good to see everyone here as we worship together. And it's just absolutely amazing to think that uh, December has just flown by and all the wonderful celebrations that we've had during Christmas and all the preparations have come down now to where it's Christmas Eve morning. And uh, Christmas is just uh, a portion of a day away when we celebrate actually the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody sent me an email a little while back that said, you know Christmas is almost here when uh, there are more pine needles on your carpet than on your tree. And the credit card is smoked along with the turkey and the ham. It's a wonderful life has been shown for the 13th time. Now, you know, I only saw one showing of that, and I didn't get to watch it. I did stay up the other night and watch White Christmas, and that thing didn't go off till 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, it's almost Christmas when a trip to the mall and back is more challenging than the Indy 500. You know, that was true Friday, but yesterday was very calm on the streets. I was absolutely surprised out there. The Salvation Army bell ringers start accepting credit cards. Maybe they have. You're pulling an all-nighter because of the words, some assembly required. Your Christmas list is written in black while your bank balance is written in red. Santa's belly is not the only thing shaking like a bowl full of jelly. And the NFL referees are not the only ones giving away games. And the infamous fruitcake returns from its 12 months of hiding. Now, I don't know why fruitcake gets such a bad rap. I enjoy good fruitcake. Do you? Anybody? Does anybody really enjoy good fruitcake? I enjoy good fruitcake. Uh, good fruitcake and a good cup of coffee. I mean, I think that's part of the Christmas celebration and season. For our children, this Christmas season is a great time of anticipation, and waiting for Christmas can be difficult. Here's a couple of letters that actually were written to Santa Claus. Dear Santa, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're really hungry... You can use our phone and order a pizza. <laughs> Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. Now, you, you, that might be your child. You might can identify with that. And then honesty. Maybe honesty has its greatest rewards. Dear Santa from a four-year-old, I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> Well, Christmas is tomorrow. We've waited 364 days for it, and how in the world could we ever forget? One guy said, well, I never forget. Visa keeps reminding me of it every month. They said, uh, last year I got a bill from uh, Visa at Christmas, and this year a note was attached that said, this bill is now one year old. So he said, I sent back a note that said, happy birthday, Bill. <laughs> Children are not the only ones. Have a difficult time anticipating special events and especially the arrival of, of children. Uh, I read about one couple that were approaching the birth of a child in the Christmas season, and our son Andrew and his wife Megan are, are on hold. They're waiting for the birth of a child anywhere now from now till like January 3rd or somewhere in there. And you know how children are, they're unpredictable. They come when they're ready to come. 
Uh, but this husband, for the first time, the first time to be a father, was extremely nervous. And he kept asking his wife, is it time, is it time, is it time? And uh, one night they were sitting in the den, and she had some pains, but she told him, it's just nothing, nothing real. It's not time to go to the hospital yet. Next thing you knew, he, she heard him in there taking a shower, and then he was shaving, and he dressed, and he came in the den. She said, what are you doing? He said, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but he said, I'm gonna, you can just sit here and wait, but I'm going to the hospital. Tonight, as we gather to worship at 5 and 7, we will be reminded once again that all of our waiting and all of our expectations are focused on the birth of a child. And that child is no ordinary baby. He is God in the flesh. He's the Son of God. He's our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God. Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. We need to remember tonight that Christmas did just not happen on its own. We really didn't ask for it. We really didn't ask for God's grace. We didn't ask for God to come. But God came. He came to us. He came seeking us. That's something that underscores the Christmas story that we must never forget That's about the heartbeat of God and the depth of the love of God for us. That it's all about the fact that God seeks us in our sin and our brokenness and our despair and our lostness. And he comes to us on the eve of his birth 2,000 years ago. There had been 4,000 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400, 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. No prophets had emerged on the scene. No scripture had been written. Heaven seemed silent. And in the midst of all of that silence, God was busy. He was preparing the earth for the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. God was preparing the earth, preparing the world, preparing mankind so that when Jesus came, the gospel could be readily accepted and then spread throughout the entire world. You see, God spent those 400 silent years preparing the world to accept his son and to celebrate his birth. We find the affirmation of that in our scripture for today out of Galatians as the apostle Paul writes, not typical Christmas story. We'll share that tonight when we worship and celebrate together out of Luke 2. And then we'll look at John 1. But in Galatians chapter, chapter uh, 4, verses 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, But when the time had fully come, other scriptures say, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. You see, in the fullness of time, that's what we're celebrating God has come in Jesus Christ. God is indeed with us. And so on this morning of the eve of his birth, Paul tells us two things about this passage and this waiting about this in Galatians 4. First, he tells us that the fullness of time is true because the time was right. In NIV that I read from talks about the time had fully come. And I don't think that it is by coincidence. I think that it is by the providence of Almighty God 
that that word, that concept, that phrase carries with it the sense of everything being fulfilled in full term like a woman in full term pregnancy. You see, in a similar way, the world was actually ready when Jesus came. We read in the Christmas story and it seems like only shepherds got that message. Those who had studied the scriptures were were not aware and ready for the birth of Christ. But really the world was ready for the birth of Jesus Christ because never in human history had the earth been in a better position to receive God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Why? Well, there was the Pax Romana. The the Roman world was at that moment at peace. There was an unprecedented system of roads that had developed that had made communication and travel safer and swifter and more secure than ever before. God's people, the Jews, had been scattered over the world and they had taken with them scripture and promises and prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. And that would make it more easily uh, for them to spread the good news and to tell the good news of the birth of the Christ once they accepted that. There was one common language, basically, that had been developed in the Greek language spoken by most and understood by practically everyone. There was a spiritual hunger in the midst of all the sin and brokenness in the world. People after 400 years of silence were longing for and waiting for the Messiah to come and to fulfill the promise of God. And there was a longing for a sense of development and an understanding of a one true God. So the world was ready more than ever before because of God and what God had done to orchestrate all these plans, bringing them to fulfillment. It was indeed the fullness of time. God had spent these years planning the birth of his son. And that's why when Jesus was born, the blueprint had already been drawn. A universal language, a universal peace, a universal road system, the concept of one God, the concept of a Messiah, the longing for that in the world was ready. Jesus was ready also. Think of the change that Jesus was making coming from heaven to earth. He would leave his royal throne in heaven for a feeding trough in a lowly stable. He left the fellowship of God the Father to live among us and to walk among disease and crime and sin. He left the royal palaces of heaven to travel dusty roads with no home to call his own. He left the work of creation to die on a tree that he he had created. He left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny, that it was that lowly hill of Calvary where he would lay down his life for us. Like our military in other lands today, Jesus was away from home for Christmas. Like our missionaries, Jesus was away from home for Christmas. He left it all. He left it all to become God in the flesh. Why? Because in the Father's decree, the time had fully come. Jesus was ready to make his move from heaven to earth. After 400 years of silence, God was to speak once again, this time not through a prophet, but through his son. Jesus was ready. The world was ready. God was ready. 
the time was right. The time had fully come. The second thing that Paul tells us that we need to remember on this Christmas Eve is that he gives us the reason for all of this. The reason was revealed. What is that? Paul says that God sent forth his son born of a woman. Incredible birth. The miraculous, unique birth of only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a virgin. But God came to us in flesh to enter into our world. It was a world of sin. It was a world of sorrow. And he came and entered into our world to bring his personal presence, to show his care, his love, his concern. He came to be Emmanuel. He came to be God with us. To enter our world and to reveal himself as our God who is always with us no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, God is there with us. A few years ago during the Christmas season, a reporter for our local state newspaper contacted me and asked me how would I approach the Christmas season uh, with um, its true meaning against the backdrop of a world with war and natural disasters and death and devastation, a world that she described in her own words as out of control. Well, I didn't have to think very long for my answer because I said, you know, that's really the message of Christmas. We like to think of Christmas as the wonderful season of the year, the most wonderful time and You know, hearts are going to be light and we're going to be singing and we're going to be rejoicing and everybody's going to be celebrating with joy and gratitude and we're going to be uh, celebrating with family and friends and sharing gifts. But the real reason that we celebrate Christmas is that God has come to us to enter into our world that is less than perfect so that we might know His presence So that we might know his love, so that we might know his care, so that we might experience his comfort. And as Christy sang so beautifully today and reminded us, God is with us in all that we experience. Hope, love, joy, and peace come in the midst of the darkness of despair. That's the Christmas story. And once again this year, I thought of many of you as you will celebrate this marvelous experience of the birth of our Savior. And you do it against the backdrop of difficulties in your life. I've thought of that as I've uh, walked hospital halls, waited for surgeries to end, entered into hospital rooms and had prayer with some of our members who won't be home for Christmas because they're in the hospital. I visited funeral homes and attended funerals during this wonderful season as we celebrate the gift of life. And I've claimed this message as I thought of our military and their families and saw and heard their Christmas greetings on television as they shared that from around the world. And you see, the real reason for all of that is because God has come in the birth of Jesus Christ to show His compassion to be our God like nobody else could do, to be here in everything that we experience, to bring us comfort, to bring us joy, to bring us peace, to bring us hope, to walk with us in everything that we experience in life. And see, that's what Christmas really brings to us in the birth of Jesus Christ. 
It's the message that God has sent Jesus to meet our deepest need. That it's not just fellowship and it's not just comfort and it's not just hope. But it's a Messiah, it's a Redeemer that he would save us from our sins. Paul says to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. That's what all of us need at Christmas. At Christmas, God became man and his humanity, Christ, lived the perfect life. He kept the law that none of us could keep. See, we have to remember that the only way we have a relationship with God is to be perfect and to be acceptable in God's sight, but none of us are capable of that on our own. We're all sinful people. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no perfection in our life. But when you trust in Jesus Christ, when you accept this babe of Bethlehem, you are made righteous in the sight of God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why God sent Jesus, so that we would be redeemed, those of us who were under the law. Jesus came as God in the flesh, and only God is perfect, and Jesus lived that perfect life. And then he died the perfect death. He went to the cross. He gave his life in obedience to God. The writer of Hebrews quotes Jesus as saying, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Why did Jesus come in a body? He came to experience life as you and I experience it. He came to show us how to live life in this human body. But most importantly, he came as the perfect sacrifice to give that body in sacrifice to God to pay the sin debt for you and for me. All the sacrifices from the Old Testament were shadows of what was to come. And what was to come was the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ who would fulfill the requirements of a holy and righteous and perfect God and meet our sin need and grant to us forgiveness. Jesus said, a body you prepared for me. It was the body of the baby in which he was born in the manger. But it was the body which grew to be the man who would die on the cross. Why? Because of our sins. Some of you might have the tradition that we started with our children when they married and had children. And that is we, we gave to each one of them uh, the elf on the shelf. Any of you use the, the elf on the shelf? Your house? I think there's some fantastically interesting names. Some are very simple. But uh, in our family, uh, the four children have named them. The grandchildren, their children actually named them. And uh, in the Hardwick family, the elf on the shelf is Jingle. I thought that was an appropriate name. In Andrew's family, uh, uh, the elf on the shelf is named Hermie. I don't know where they get that. Um, in the, the Turner household, Emily Ann and Philip's children, he's named He Hat. And the reason for that is that when they introduce the elf on the shelf, Manning, the oldest child, was just beginning to talk and he wasn't talking very clearly, but he pointed to the elf. And, and you know, the elf on the shelf has his little hat on. And he said, he was trying to say, He has a hat on, but he was saying He Hat. So their elf on the shelf is He Hat. 
And then, and uh, Doc and Sarah Lynn, who had the youngest children, uh, the elf on the shelf is N-O. No, no, because they kept asking Landrinell, well, what's your, what's your elf's name? And he kept saying, no, no, don't know, don't know. And so his name is N-O. Now, Doc is a Cajun from near New Orleans, so I think there's some little ploy in that being a big New Orleans Saints fan that, that the initials of no would be N-O for New Orleans. But I reminisce about the elf on the shelf because earlier this month, you might have read this story, it came out of Florida. A woman who was a nurse in a local hospital was woken up early one morning by her little daughter just in, in, in terror and panic, just screaming at the top of her lungs. And her mother obviously came running into the den where the elf in the shelf had been, been hiding that night to discover that their German shepherd somehow had gotten a hold of their elf on the shelf whose name was Sam and had done a pretty good bit of damage to Sam. The little girl was distraught, but her mother being a nurse in a local hospital said, I'm going to take Sam to the hospital and we're going to take care of him. And so she took Sam to the hospital and a team of surgeons began to work on Sam and they sewed him up and they put him back together very carefully and they used some magic and they even wore some gloves that they said were Santa gloves. And that afternoon, the mother was able to bring Sam home back to her daughter. Now, when I read that story, I thought, you know, there is some semblance there between Sam, that elf on the shelf and that family and our needs. Why did Jesus come? He came to destroy the devil and to deliver us from the bondage and slavery of sin. He left heaven and he went to the cross to reconcile us to God the Father. He came to be that bridge between sinful humanity and holy God. And he came to perform spiritual surgery on our soul. Like Sam, the elf on the shelf in Florida, had to have surgery this Christmas. See, Jesus came in the fullness of time to redeem us from our sins. Remember this as we gather together tonight and you go about your celebrations today and tomorrow. Jesus had to be born as a man to accomplish in his life, death, and resurrection what was desperately needed and none of us could accomplish. When the time had fully come, God sent his son to redeem us. We celebrate the birth of Christ, but we have to claim his sacrifice to experience the full meaning of God's love in his gift of Jesus Christ as we celebrate Christmas. I pray that you will do that. I pray that you will know the love of God personally in Jesus Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem, whose birth once again this year we celebrate with joy. Father, we thank you that from the glory of heaven you looked upon our world and you orchestrated everything for the fulfillment of prophecy, 
to send your son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born of flesh, into the world to come and remind us that you are indeed Emmanuel, God who is with us in everything that we experience and that you sent Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the long-promised Redeemer who would come through his death and resurrection to redeem us from our sins that we might be with you forever in the glories of heaven. Thank you, Father, that we celebrate once again the fullness of time and the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we embrace this Christ child. May we claim eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.